0: If you can do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy If you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like One that I don't mess up being a manager (sighs) We're just three cats that never played a single snap Here to tell you how to draft, win the ship, and run it back the stats ain't tell the story, This the story of the stats You can stick it to your friends, what's
1: more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles Stick to the path and follow us disciples The only sin
0: is math and all you need is the Bible It's the fantasy Bible It's the fantasy Bible It's the fantasy Bible. Bible. It's the Fantasy Bible. Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nathan Binder. Here with me today is my co-host, Dane. Dane, how you doing? Episode 10, what a milestone. So glad to be back with you folks. Double digits. All right. Um, So Dane and I had a startup draft on... uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Correct. Yep, Yeah, Dynasty started up on Tuesday night. Yeah, and that was a, a very extensive, very long experience, um, and so we're basically going to recap some of the highs and lows of that draft on this episode because we think it'll be relevant to anyone that's in a Dynasty League out there, especially the few of you that are doing the auction format. There's not a lot of content uh, for that format out there, so that's why we wanted to do a pod on it just to just to show the different approaches in our league at least and see what you can take from that. Um, before we get into that, I'd like to say that uh, you can find us on Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, uh, and then let's, uh, let's get into some news. Dane, what do we got today?
1: All right, so not a whole lot of hard, concrete news. No hard-hitting reporting coming this week, but uh, Julio Jones still whirlwind of rumors around him being traded the uh cold call on fox i believe shannon sharp works for yeah the uh when he called julio jones live on tv there was a lot of speculation that julio did not even know he was being broadcast live and which could be illegal by the way so there could be fallout from that and fox has since said nothing about the whole ordeal potentially because their lawyers are looking at it who knows but uh Regardless, still some juicy rumors around Julio. Honestly, I think every team is <laughs> is in the in the market for Julio Jones right now. So, no idea where he's going. He could still be with the Falcons, but...
0: Do you uh, think the whole thing updated? was
1: staged at all? I would like to think so because, you know, you would hate to have Julio blindsided like that and that's kind of, like, terrible, but uh, I don't know. I, I can't say definitively either way. I think, like if it wasn't staged and Julio didn't know that's pretty, pretty rough, dude.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's almost so asinine that if it wasn't staged, that it's it's almost seems more likely that like Julio was like, all right, this trade's taking too long. So I'm going to call you up live on undisputed and get my ass out of Atlanta or something like that. I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a conspiracy theorist here, but it's just crazy that if it, you know, if he didn't know he was live that, that, uh, that that happened all right what, what, what else we got
1: uh other than that so antonio gibson a lot of praise coming out of the washington football team about him ron rivera said he's going to take a big jump this season and then the very next day news broke that antonio antonio gibson is nursing a lingering turf toe injury that sidelined him for a couple games near the end of last season so I mean, for those unfamiliar, turf toe is an injury that definitely hurts running backs the most out of any position, wide receivers as well. But uh, it could really sideline their career or, uh, you know, cap any kind of ceiling they might have for the season they're dealing with that. So something to watch. Definitely, if you're in a redraft league, I would be very keen on watching the news out of training camp with Antonio Gibson. But if he is healthy, he stands to be a great prospect, Good, good pass catcher. They will scheme him plenty of touches um but yeah definitely like highs and lows right now with antonio gibson this week i
0: know you just traded for antonio yeah, Gibson. i mean in what the hell? what the hell all <laughs> right so literally the night of the draft and and uh alcohol had something to do with this because i was very intoxicated and it wasn't like a matter of uh like I didn't even realize it was happening. The draft was just so long that you just kind of like casually are drinking the entire time just to stay hydrated. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's like, you know, hour three and a half of this startup draft. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I am I have no idea what call to make, but I really like Antonio Gibson. So yeah, so I traded CDUM for Antonio Gibson because uh, you know, I already had uh DK Metcalf, and I had Terry McLaren and I had Debo Samuel, and then I have a ton of uh, rookie wide receivers that could pan out, like Nico Collins, Josh Palmer, Jalen Darden, all those kind of guys. Um, so I was like, well, I think I can sacrifice CeeDee Lamb here. Plus, I hate the Cowboys, so it all kind of worked out. Then like the next day, literally the next morning... <laughs> Antonio Gibson shows up as questionable on my ESPN app, and I'm like, the season hasn't even started, <laughs> and I already have a cue, that ugly red cue in my lineup. And yeah, turf toe. I mean, turf toe is the worst. Um, he didn't have surgery. He probably should have had surgery. Um, there is a chance that it gets better. I, you know, I mean, it's June. Like, let's not panic here, but at yeah. the same time, it's uh, incredibly concerning for Antonio Gibson. I would say, but just because uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those tricky injuries that sometimes goes away and sometimes lingers and you got to get different types of therapy for it. I was reading about the therapy you can get today because obviously I'm invested in in Antonio Gibson. Um, I still think that Antonio Gibson is likely to be a star this year. Like I don't think, you know, like you can play through turf toe if it's not that bad, but uh, it's yeah. I'm definitely not too something worried. To yeah. Yeah.
1: It could drive his price down on draft board, So it could be like a buy low if this news keeps up and people are hesitant. So he might drop a couple spots, but uh yeah, I'd still feel comfortable with him on my roster.
0: Yeah. He won't be going for $54 again.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's another, so I'm done with the news. So we can kind of segue into this whole recap of the draft. So we did do an auction draft startup. So that means we had a $300 budget for all of our 25 roster spots it is not the norm in a dynasty startup. Usually people do snake draft and you can trade your picks and you can you know, hedge with your future draft picks if you want to move up or move down. But we went for auction just because it kind of levels the playing field no matter what drafting spot you had. So I thought that was an interesting thing. And it, it was very fun. Auction drafts, whether you're redraft or dynasty, they're very fun. So I'd, I'd say join a league at some point in your life with an auction draft format because it is very
0: fun. Yeah, yeah. Um... Let's get into it. I, I, we, I We've got some topics to get through. It, it was a ton of fun. It was uh, very challenging. Budgeting was really hard. I went in told him, telling myself I would be conservative. And then conservative just kind of meant like passing on Kamara, Saquon, those guys, and then just filling my roster with kind of like the mid-tier, mid to high tier of players. And then I was probably one of the first to run out of money. And then I missed out on a lot of rookies- that went later on that I wanted to grab like Javante Williams or uh Devontae Smith obviously but Dan who did you uh or someone else in the league uh break the bank on that you think is worth the investment like you know who who's a big big chunk of change
1: so me personally I did break the bank on a couple players I had the highest paid for quarterback Patrick Mahomes went for $43 which was quite far above the next quarterback I probably overpaid a bit but you know I feel okay with that I bought a top quarterback for the next 10 years so I don't have to worry about quarterback forever Uh, and then I spent $67 on Tyreek Hill for that juicy Mahomes stack with Tyreek Hill so right there I've already got $120 of my budget spent Sorry, $110 of my budget spent, and we only have $300 for 25 players, and I spent more than a third of that on two. So, yes, I did go top-heavy. That is potentially going to be my downfall as years progress. But I see these players as being, you know, for the next four years, there's no way they're not top of their position, so I'm okay with that. But uh, that was just me personally. And then who who's somebody that you think overpaid other than me
0: on somebody? Well, um, here's the thing about your stack is like I would advise against overpaying for Patrick Mahomes and I would advise against paying for Tyreek Hill. But if you're gonna do both, then that's kind of the best way to do it because you know you're gonna have that those just weeks where those two account for 50% or more of your points. It's just it's just gonna be absurd. And actually like Tyreek Hill, I had Tyreek Hill last year and uh it was a it was a weird experience because Rather than um, being the you know six-point week, seven-point week, 40-point week player, he was like a consistent 15 points or higher every week. And then he still had his boom week. So uh, I think he's just becoming a more complete receiver since he's coming to the league. He's not just like a deep threat or a speed threat. He can run all the intermediate routes. He can run out slants. I mean, yeah, I love Tyreek Kill. And I, I actually don't think it was like an overpay um, to spend that much on him because – what is he, 27? He he should still should have yeah. two to three years of dominance. Um, and if you can win the league, I mean, in the next two years, why not? Um, yeah, so, all right. So the player uh, I spent the most on, I traded for Gibson, who went for 54. But the player I spent the most on was actually Terry McLaurin for $51. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. He went for much higher than I thought he would go for. But I just, I basically had to have him on my team. And I was like, you know, whatever it's going to take, I got to get this guy on here. Um, I love his speed. I love his target share. He had 87 catches last year, only three drops on 128 targets. Um, He's, he's actually a little on the older side for like, you know, he's it's only his third year in the year, but he's almost 26. Um, But he's put up uh, numbers the past two years. He put like 1,100 yards in a terrible offense last year And he's about to play with the highest rated quarterback that he has ever played with by a good margin in Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy that's known to sling it. I just kind of thought that, uh, you know, if I want one player to keep me competitive this year and give me something to look forward to, because I did take more of a uh, patient strategy. I I didn't go full like tank or anything, but I, uh, I, I, I invested mostly in younger players and some upside players and stuff like that. Um, he, he's a guy that I think is going to win me games week to week, and actually, the other player that I wrote down to talk about was Tyreek Hill. Just, just in terms of breaking the bank on a player that I think is worth the investment. Um, so we already covered that. Um, yeah, the, the, those. That's all that really comes to mind in terms of like overpays that I thought were justified.
1: Yeah, yeah. Certainly, it's not a bad idea to spend high amount of money on the stud because you need that. So we're only in a 10 person league and also it's a one quarterback lead. So not super flex. Otherwise Patrick Mahomes would have gone for like $80, but, but uh, yeah, it's definitely good to have a positional advantage when you're in a 10 person league because the benches aren't as deep. The studs are more heavily concentrated per roster. So you need like those top of their tier playmakers that can change a whole week for you because you're, even if I have Tyreek Hill, I'm still going against a top 12 wide receiver on pretty much every team. So I need to be having an edge on other top 12 wide receivers. That's the way I looked at it. So I was okay with spending up on, I got Saquon Barkley, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews. Like I wanted somebody at the top of every position if I could do it. Yeah. That was, that was my strategy anyway.
0: That's very fair. And I think I took a similar strategy to last year where I tried to kind of fill out my roster with some high upside players for a little cheaper and um, uh, our, our next topic is steal of the draft. So I'll just lead into what I feel my, was my steal of the draft, which was uh Nick Chubb for $45. Um, just personally, uh, I mean, that was insane to me that he didn't go for over 50, especially considering some of the guys that did go for over 50, you know, like Aaron Jones, who was in a similarly questionable situation. The thing is Nick Chubb, I think the only knock on Nick Chubb who was, arguably a top three runner, just pure runner in the league um, is that he splits carries with Kareem hunt, but we saw how they did that last year. And it was almost seen like Nick Chubb was used in the beginning of games to wear down defenses um, and to set up the play action for Baker Mayfield. And then in situations where Browns had the league and they're a very good team with a very good offensive line. So it was a lot of situations. Kareem hunt would come in fresh legs super electric and just gash the defense at the end of the games to close out games. And they both had a role. Um, so yeah, I was super excited to get Nick Chubb for that. Uh, another guy I want to mention real quick is George Kittle who our league mate yeah. Jacob got for $30. I went into this draft totally wrong on tight end. Like I wasn't really, it didn't really occur to me until after the draft that I was like, shit, like every tight end that I know that provides value you know is is gone you know what I mean like now I'm gonna have to wait and see what happens or I trade for a tight end or take a shot on a rookie which is like the hardest position to know if that's going to translate so to get George Kittle for $30 and they get tight end locked up in an offense that features the tight end through play action Um, Kittle's kind of the wide receiver one on that team in a lot of ways Shanahan is an outstanding coach Um, yeah so I just thought that was another Great move uh in our draft by our, our league
1: mate. Yeah, I was gonna mention George Kittle if you didn't. That's absolutely a good price for him because he's you know far younger, I think four or five years younger than I think four years younger than Travis Kelsey, who went for $43. And you're paying $30 for somebody who's going to have four more years in the league and is nearly as elite. You can argue. That he was the top prospect in dynasty startups. I I had George Kittle ahead of Kelsey just for the long term value. Kelsey will probably outperform him in the next three years, but you never know. Kelsey could fall off, and then George Kittle is definitely the number one if he does even take a slight decline. So, yeah, yeah, he's just an amazing steal. Yeah, and he is in an offense where he's the top receiver, in my opinion. Like, he's just. Absolutely. He's a, a fighter. He will fight for those extra yards for your fantasy team. He cares about your fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, another one I thought was a steal was Dak Prescott for $5 on Jacob's team as well. Like, Yeah, I had that rain down as well. Yeah, for me, he was, I think, number four or five uh, in the QB slot. And I paid $43 for Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Dak Prescott is... that far behind yeah yeah, Yeah, like yeah like I would have paid probably 22 to 25 dollars for Dak Prescott compared to the 43 dollar price tag on my homes and like that's just crazy uh I think most of the quarterbacks had gone at that point and it was like a little later than the top quarterbacks went so nobody was willing to spend up right at that moment but yeah that was that was crazy I was very impressed with Epic
0: yeah that was the situation i had previously paid i had already invested 11 dollars into quarterback which was three dollars for jalen Hurts, my boy jalen Hurts, which i don't think is a bad <laughs> price for jalen Hurts when no matter what anyone says all. i mean he's not gonna all, go pretty high in re- redraft leagues this year just because of his rushing ability alone and then eight dollars for russell wilson well not the steal that dak prescott was because of dak prescott's age uh has me instantly. I feel like in contention this year with just the Russell DK stack alone. Um, it, it just wasn't a lot of money to invest in a top five fantasy quarterback in the league. So I'm excited about that. But it does. You know, if Jalen doesn't work out, I will be. You know, looking to draft a quarterback uh, in the future in in our rookie draft, which is always you know just as problematic and questionable as drafting one in the NFL is. So um, yeah. So it, it's very impressive that. A younger player with just as much fantasy upside went for three, three dollars less. Um, okay, uh, who else do I got here? Okay, uh, well I'll just shout these out real quick. I won't go into detail. Saquon for sixty-one dollars. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey went for seventy-four dollars, and I feel like Saquon, you know, not only I, th- I believe he's younger, and I think while he's you know their their situations are arguably. Similar. I mean, uh, Carolina has not a very good offensive line. The giants have not a very good offensive line. Uh, Carolina has not a very good quarterback. So do the giants, you know, both backs are going to be relied upon Mm -hmm. to carry the offense. Um, they even have Dave Gettleman, the mutual link between the franchises. So, uh, I just think that, you know, Saquon going for $13 less than Christian McCaffrey, uh, was a big steal on, on your part, actually
1: um thank you yeah i'm happy i paid 61 for saquon when christian mccaffrey went for what 74 yeah that's uh, they're not that far apart in my dynasty board so yeah i'm I'm happy with that
0: yeah and in retrospect with how many players were going for a dollar at the end had i known that like if we were redoing this i would have top loaded a lot more you know what i mean because at the it didn't really matter at the end who had the slight advantage so you know pay, paying that extra ten dollars to get a truly elite player i think was definitely worth it Um, although of course i'm happy with the, the well-rounded roster i have uh donald mooney for seven dollars also want to shout out that because that's super cheap for a guy that has a ton of potential and upside
1: yeah he's a big upside guy it's there are non-believers of course but you know he is uh I, I like him a lot. We talked about it last week, I believe. So, yep. yeah, I would have paid seven dollars as well. I think I was running out of money. I think I bid the six dollars, and then I had no more bids. Yeah, left, I so. went to four, <laughs> and it was like,
0: all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, uh, anyone yeah, else
0: on your steel list?
1: There are. I can't remember. I mean, Brian Tannehill for a dollar is ridiculous. Like, yeah, sure. We're only a ten-team league, so. He might be like your quarterback 10 or 11. So it makes sense, I guess. But, I mean, you're not going to be able to find a better replacement if you wanted to stash him as your quarterback 2, like for a dollar. I would have done that immediately. I just didn't know that that would be the situation. We're going to take a short break. And don't you worry about it. We'll be right back with some Dynasty startup advice, some recap, some speculation, some analysis. Because you're here for hard-hitting analysis.
0: Greetings, potential podcast advertiser. If you're looking to connect with a mostly male demographic ranging from ages 18 to 45, look no further than the Fantasy Bible Podcast. Let our sonorous tones take your product to the next level. If you're interested in getting in on the ground floor of the future of fantasy podcasting, contact us at fantasybiblepod at gmail.com. You will not regret it. And we're back. Thanks for bearing with us. There, we had a you know some a, a momentary interruption, but now we are back on. One last steal I just wanted to mention was Cortland Sutton for fifteen dollars. He has been better than Jerry Judy so far. Although obviously Judy wasn't put into the best situation, but he did have some what seemed to be concentration lapses on the field. Wasn't as pro ready as we all thought he would be. Uh, if Cortland Sutton is healthy, I, I, you know I think he's going to be kind of like a. A lesser version of uh, Amari Cooper to C.D. Lamb is Cortland Sutton to Jerry Judy. Um, obviously, since the QB play isn't great, but Drew love can still make big deep throws, big deep plays, and uh, yeah, I just think Cortland Sutton has like high wide receiver two potential. So to get him for less than twenty twenty five dollars, I thought was solid. Um, and yeah, all right. So moving on to our our next topic, uh, what what were the biggest overpays? Who reached? in metaphorical terms.
1: So I know that Jacob, our fellow league mate, thought that Justin Jefferson was an overpay, and I do agree. It was $66 for Justin Jefferson compared to $67 for Tyreek Hill. So you're betting on that Justin Jefferson can keep this up in an offense that is a run-first team. Uh, Kirk Cousins might not be there in a year or two, like, to me there wasn't as much stability with justin jefferson but obviously he's 22 years old and he set rookie records so i can't complain that somebody's high on him but to me 66 was a little much when you had that that was a price higher than aj brown than calvin ridley like all the other top five wide receivers in fantasy so i was i was not going to bid that high on him but if he is playing at a level he was last year for the next five to 10 years, it will not be an overpay by any, any measure, So,
0: Yeah. I mean, if we go by what the stats say in theory, he's not going to reach the season that he had last season, this season, it, it, you know, in theory, he will regress to a lower season. Um, now maybe Justin Jefferson is the greatest NFL receiver of all time. And it's only up for, from here for him. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. Or I do think he is really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was an overpay. I think he was the second highest receiver that went. And, uh, just for comparison, AJ Brown went for $53 and Diggs went for $54. So, you know, uh, what was it? Thirteen, $12 less. Um, yeah, j- just, a. I I mean, for him to go as the second receiver overall was kind of shocking to me, although, uh, you know, I, I a ton of talent, so we can't knock Justin Jefferson. Um, it'd be exciting to have him on your team. It's just, yeah. And similarly, in the same vein, Justin Jefferson was uh, Cam Makers for sixty dollars, which was one of the highest uh, running back yeah. prices for me. Um, you know, he's shown a half a season of talent. I love Cam Makers, but for me, he should you on about ten dollars less than that, um, or even lower. I mean, there are guys with proven roles, like like Nick Chubb shouldn't be going for forty five dollars while Cam Makers is going for sixty dollars. But uh, maybe that's just me. Um. although I do no, I, I agree talent. yeah
1: yeah I'm super high on Cam Akers this year and I really wanted him in this draft but for $60 I got Saquon for 61 like I would much rather take the proven star-studded talent you know Saquon is getting 100 targets a year that is merely the high hopes of what Cam Akers could be in a Sean McVay offense but I do love Cam Akers I really wanted him I would have spent up to 50 for him that's what I had jotted down but can't take you know, can't take it away from Sasan for taking a shot on him, man. He could be he could be the next Saquon if we see scripted similarly.
0: Well, here's the thing is he's he's spent smart and now he has I mean, I would say he has one of the nastiest uh, teams in the league. You know, he's got Herbert at QB, um Gaskin as his RB too, so that's where things drop off a bit. I uh, know he'll be getting Montgomery soon, um, because that trade went yeah. through. But then, yeah, he got Jamar Chase, so super-exciting rookie. Chase Claypool, super-exciting sophomore. Uh, Kyle Pitts went for $28, which I don't know if that's a steal or not yet. but It feels like a steal. And then he got Darren Waller. So it's like uh, – and James Robinson. So James Robinson you know, should have something of a role. I know we're both low on James Robinson, but there's a good chance mm-hmm. that we're, like, you know, halfway wrong. Um, so, you know, his team did round out very nicely. It's just those – Oh wait, who who uh, purchased? Uh, I thought he was the same person that got Justin Jefferson. Uh, I don't know what the Justin Jefferson team turned out like. No, yeah,
1: Justin Jefferson. Uh, the other wide receivers are Calvin Ridley, Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Boyd, OBJ. Like he is stacked on wide receiver. Uh, I don't know who the Wombats is. That is uh, Jeremiah. Oh, that's Jeremiah.
0: Right? Yeah, and he has Swift and yeah. Ed running back. So clearly sacrifices were made, but it's a three wide receiver yeah. league it's a half ppr league i don't think it's uh, necessarily a bad strategy
1: not at all yet and two flex spots so you can start up the five wide receivers like in in his case he will be which is totally fine because he's got five good ones he's got probably five receivers with wide receiver two ability every week so that's not a bad thing at all he he you know put himself in a spot which worked out but uh yeah, Justin Jefferson is his flagship for the future. On his and Joe Burrow, he got Joe Burrow for nineteen dollars. That's a pretty good value, I'd say.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's definitely planting a flag on Justin Jefferson for sure. Um, so let's talk that overall strategies in team building for a little bit. Or did you have any other overpays? Sorry. No, that's about that's about all. Nothing egregious after that. Yeah, I thought value was pretty good. I thought there were more steals than overpays for sure. Um, so. Trends in, in strategies and team building. Um, so we, we've got a few teams that took what I would say win now approaches, or at least I'm taking guys that have either reached their peak or at their peak and paying top dollar to acquire these players that I believe are going to be elite. So it's your team with the Tyreek Mahomes Saquon trio. And then you just acquired Devonte Adams through a hefty trade of two future first round picks and David Montgomery uh, Brandon's obviously with Kamara McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, and then somehow we also got Keenan Allen and Julio at receiver, two old but fire guys. Um, yeah. and then Jay with Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, Derek, Henry, Zeke, and Michael Thomas. What are your thoughts? Yeah, on, I think uh, those teams, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're, they're definitely all like the win now teams, which you know, you could look at their rosters and look at the draft rosters and they're basically both redraft in the purpose of they are proven guys that are built to win now and have high rankings in redraft. So, I mean, if you take that strategy, that's fine. You just got to make sure you're planning for it and build your team around the idea that you're winning in the next one to three years. And they both did that accordingly. I think I will be very nervous when I'm playing against them every week. Like, Man, you cannot beat Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, and uh, Christian McCaffrey. Like those three running backs. Oh my God, that's crazy. He's got three top twelve running backs on the same roster. That's you know,
0: watch out for that. So here's my prediction: Is halfway through the season, we're asking what's wrong with one of those running backs because I don't think there's any chance that Kamara, McCaffrey, and Aaron Jones all maintain their pace. Like we got to see a drop off eventually, especially I think Kamara. Seems especially due for a dramatic uh, drop off, whether it's due to quarterback play or just you know the, the RB cliff that all running backs eventually fall off of when they just get used so much. But after mm-hmm. watching uh, what happened to Le'Veon Bell, after you know Pittsburgh just gave him so many touches and then he just kind of uh, dropped off immediately the following year. I, I That's that's why I would think yours is probably one of my favorites because Saquon's a little younger. And then I feel like you invested more in quarterback and receiver than running back, which obviously are positions with a lot more longevity than running back. Although Jays is also a lot of fun just having um, Travis, Kelsey, Derek Henry. I mean, just having both those guys on one team, as well as the talent he's surrounded with him around is, is nice. Yeah, I'm very terrified of Jay's team. Uh, he's got Josh Allen
1: at quarterback as well. Like, oh, man, <laughs> Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, and then Michael Thomas at receiver, pair with Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, Mike Evans, Jarvis Landry. Like, he's never going to be struggling to field a, a full roster, but he is trading his future a little bit with those. He's got good depth, but not guys who have high upside into the future per se. I think I would say that's accurate. Exactly. Kadarius Kedar- Tony, yeah, Kadarius Tony might be the exception to that. That is a good deal for two dollars. That might be one of the steals of the draft because I don't know they traded up for him. They really like the guy, so he's going to get touches. I think he could develop into a guy that's potentially the top receiver on that team, aside from Kenny Galladay. So
0: yeah, he screams Tavon Austin to I me. Mean, just a guy that they use on like jet sweeps. I don't know. He was very raw route runner, which is his big. Criticism, but um, not super high on him. But like you said, they invested a lot in him, so um, they're going to be putting him out there. Um, they didn't trade up to get him; they traded down. Um, oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, the Eagles, because the Eagles took De- Devonte yeah, Smith. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so then three other teams: my my team, uh, Raphael's team, and uh, Jacob's team. I feel took. Uh, I don't know if you could call them more balanced strategies where there's a young core to be had, but there's also a lot of rookies, I especially I think targeted rookies, but uh, Raphael has a nice team where he took Dalvin Cook, Allen Robinson, Josh Jacobs, and DJ Moore. So a very solid young core. Allen Robinson is a little older, um, but Josh Jacobs, DJ Moore, and Dalvin Cook are all very young, very talented. And then he also added Javante Williams and Javante Smith, two players I absolutely love. Um, I tried to take a similar strategy. I ended up with Metcalf. I know I was down talking Metcalf calf on the last pod, but he had went for $50, which was about $10 less than I thought he was going to go for. I thought he was going to be one of the top three receivers, you know, valued off the board. Um, so I just kind of had, had to get him, And then McLaren and Chubb Gibson, young guys, but then Eskridge, Etienne, Anthony Schwartz, and a list of other rookies I won't name. And then Jacob, <laughs> who went with uh, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell. Michael Carter, Rondell Moore, a lot of great rookies, but then also has Dak, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and AJ Brown, and George Kittle to kind of anchor his team. So I'm interested to see how those mixed teams do. That maybe get off to a slow start, but in a year or two are uh, you know firing on all cylinders with you know additional draft capital to boot.
1: Yeah, I think Jacob's team with A.J. Brown, Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Antonio Gibson, George Kittle, Jalen Waddle, Dak Prescott. Like, I think he's a lot closer to the top of the contending now teams than I initially thought. Like, After I was looking at his roster, I was like, I would be totally fine rolling out those guys week one through 16, 17 and hoping I win. Like, He can definitely make a move halfway through the season if he's winning a lot and probably reach the ship if he wants it like that.
0: I think there's a chance we're expecting too much out of Najee Harris too early and too much out of Clyde Edwards, Hilaire at all. Like CH did not look particularly mm-hmm. explosive to me last year. Um, you know, and there's gotta be like one guy from that LSU offense. Right. Um, although he is in the, you know, the dream running back scenario. Um, you know, he didn't really perform expectations at all last year. And then Najee Harris could get off to a slow start behind a line that I have, you know, I've lamented, I guess you could say that that Pittsburgh line. Um, and then, but yeah, I, I do agree. And you know, he added CD Lamb and trade, um, for me, and CD Lamb should be awesome this year. Hopefully, Antonio Gibson recovers from turf toe and is equally awesome. But yeah, I think I, of the R3 teams, I think Jacobs is closer to contending now. Mine's probably the closest to contending late. I have a lot of uh, lottery tickets. I think of Travis Atien um become something then I, I could be a real i could be a contender uh you know as they say yeah i think it'll be super cool to watch as this first
1: season unfolds like i don't think we have it fully fleshed out right now i think there will be like a contender we didn't quite see coming because you know if you hit on one of these low-paid rookies like that you spent five to six dollars on like you are now at a massive advantage so
0: yeah, Mindhway I don't Eskridge, think we'll be talking... They took in the second round for the Seahawks. Like, think he could be... Who knows? Nico yeah. Collins, they took in the second round. They traded up to get him in Texas. Like, what if there's a weird situation where, you know, De- Deshaun Watson plays the second half of the year or something like that, and then, mm-hmm. you know, Nico Collins becomes something. You know, you never know. Um, so, yeah, it, I think you're right. It'll be super exciting to see, like... Which of these lottery tickets on all, across all of our teams uh, pay it off? Um, did you encounter any uh, challenges when you when you were doing this?
1: Challenges during the draft. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it was like, I. It was hard to gauge like how much players would go for in a dollar amount because you can look up where players are going to go based on ADP, but all those are built around snake drafts. It was a lot harder to find resources for auction leagues. And even if you did find the ones for auction leagues in dynasty format, it was like, you can't really project what your league mates are going to value for these players. So you had to kind of learn on the fly. And I I was one to buy positions for a lot of money early, like Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Saquon Barkley. They were all some of the earliest nominated players to bid on. So I was taking a leap of faith there, like hoping that I'm getting a right price for them. So I I think I would have liked to save a little money on quarterback. I could have been getting like a, you know, Justin Herbert for like $25, $30 and save that $15 for maybe a, a good RB2. So it was definitely like a balance of am I overpaying or is this a great value? Like, and then halfway through the draft, you kind of realized, Oh, maybe I could have spent more here or less there. So.
0: Yeah, uh, filling out a starting roster was incredibly difficult um, because you know just finding what it, what is our roster one two three four five six nine players that you could roll out confidently was difficult. I mean, you get to my bench and it's like all rookies for the most part and other similar lottery tickets and then like backup quarterbacks and stuff like that. Um, it was very hard. Like there's there's a sweet spot between you don't want to pay too much early. You want to let other people set the value, but you don't want to wait and let too many players go. And then you have to overbid players who don't want. So I, I feel like I was on two sides of that, where I feel like I got Nick Chubb and DK Metcalf cheaper than they should have gone. But then I had to overpay for Terry McLaurin and Miles Sanders because you know I needed a second running back and and I really wanted uh, Terry McLaurin and so on. And then you know uh, not valuing the tight end high enough was a huge regret. For me, just because now, uh, you know, if Zacherts, I drafted Zach Ertz for a dollar, which I think is pretty good value because he was, you know, an all pro tight end like what, two two years ago. So if he gets traded to a team like the Chargers of the Bills, he could be immediately relevant again. But if that doesn't happen, and even if it does happen, you know, that's maybe a year or two of Zacherts. And then I'm on a tight end hunt again. And tight end hunt is already the hardest position to find in fantasy So it's going to be that much harder when everybody has the tight end to unlock year to year. And just the price to trade for those tight ends is only going to grow. So if you are doing a dynasty draft, whether it's redraft or a snake, my my number one recommendation would be to overinvest in tight end, which is funny because it's like the exact opposite of, I think I said redraft, I meant snake or auction, but it's the exact opposite of redraft where we say, don't value the tight end too high. Um, because, you know, it's just too hard to find points there and and so on. Anyway, uh, anyone you're thinking about already for next next season? Just curious.
1: Meaning like in a rookie draft? Yeah. Or like? Um, no, I have not even considered the next rookie class yet, and I've already traded my first round pick for next year. So
0: <laughs> I'm hoping there's nobody I miss out on. But <laughs> interesting, I'm excited to spend way too much time researching this. Just off, uh, just the two guys I off the top of my head were Chris Olave, wide receiver who's expected to you know be like a top ten wide receiver coming out, and then Sam Howe, the quarterback, because I will need a quarterback. Also excites me out of uh, UNC. But I don't really have much to say about those guys just yet. Um, all right, so rank the stacks. These are the these are the uh, these are all the stacks in the the league that I could find: Mahomes, Tyreek, Murray, Hopkins, Dak, Lamb, Russ, DK, and Burrow
1: Boyd. All right, I can do this easily. So it's Mahomes Hill first, but not by a whole lot. But I do Absolutely think that first, is. The, but I would agree, yeah. Yeah. And then Russ DK is good, but I do think Murray, Kyler Murray, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I think that will be the next most fruitful one for sure, just because of the rushing upside of uh, Kyler Murray. He's going to be getting, you know, nine rushing touchdowns, seven minimum, in my opinion. So Russell Wilson won't hit that. And for that reason, he'll be a better stack DK Metcalf and Hopkins will maybe have similar fantasy points, but I think Hopkins will have more targets week to week. So I think it's more reliable that you're getting the the phenomenal floor from Kyler Murray and Hopkins and the massive upside of each of them could have two touchdowns or more every week. So, uh, so yeah, I would put DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson third after that. And then Dak Prescott, CD lamb, right, right beyond that. Wait, no, CD Lamb is on your team now. He doesn't have that stack.
0: Yeah, uh, he does. He has Dak and, and Lamb. And I traded Lamb to him for Gibson.
1: Oh, okay. I'm looking at the draft recap and it didn't factor in the trade. My bad. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think he, right he traded
0: out... it to get this stack essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So Dak Prescott and CD Lamb, phenomenal, phenomenal stack, I think. But I don't think for this year it'll be the best stack. I think it's fourth in that list. And then, you know, maybe two years from now it could be the best stack. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So I ranked them from a dynasty perspective. Um so I went number 1 I still went Mahomes Tyreek because you know you got what 10 years of Mahomes and probably 3 or 4 years of Tyreek. I mean, and it's just going to be so much more explosive than those other ones a lot um on a lot, on a, on a lot times <laughs> on a week to week basis. <laughs> we love words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and then I went Uh, Dak Lamb, because Dak long-term contract, Lamb uh, on his rookie deal, Uh, if Dak returns to form, I just think that's going to be a very fruitful stack over the long-term. And then I went uh, Russ DK, just because I think we get a few more years of Russ, and then DK is just a beast. Uh, And then I went Murray Hopkins, because I think Hopkins is going to be on a different team. And like, a year or two, and I just didn't. And he's already kind of old, you know. So, uh, that's, uh, that's but I guess I was thinking more of like their pairings from a dynasty perspective, but I think you definitely had the more accurate ranking of like who's going to score more points when you add these QBs together at the end of the league. And then, yeah, Bur- Burrow boy just obviously not really worth mentioning that that's not really a stack. Jamar Chase and Burrow is, uh, is a stack though. Yeah,
1: Boyd is a fine receiver on your roster like if he was my wide receiver three i'd feel pretty good week to week but yeah i'd I'd rather have t higgins or jamar chase if we're talking about dynasty for sure and i did draft t higgins very happy i did that all
0: right um last question here who are your favorite late round rookies that ended up on your team so i was out of budget
1: so quickly (laughs) because i was so top heavy i i couldn't really like bid up anyone in the middle to late rounds. So, I mean, I don't have a dollar guy I like as much, but Elijah Moore for $5, he could easily become the Jets wide receiver one in the next two years. So I'm hopeful that that happens. I mean, he's competing with, what, Corey Davis and uh, a couple veterans there. I mean, I'm not too worried about the long-term competition with him. So if he does break out, like his profile hopefully says he will. Then I'm happy about that. Other than that, for a dollar, I like Paris Campbell because I'm, you know, there, there's going to be two camps as far as receivers on the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz is coming in. There's not a defined wide receiver role other than T.Y. Hilton, of course, the late veteran. But uh, Paris Campbell is competing with Michael Pittman in my eyes for that top receiver role in the future. And I, I like his talent a lot more, but it could be a 1A, 1B. It's not really like, I don't know, not, not worth debating right now on this podcast, but I liked that pick cause I do believe in him. And then other than that, I mean, I got Deami Brown, Washington wide right receiver for $2, you know, yeah, I rookie. love
0: Deami Brown. I yeah. He's very exciting. He, you know, he was like, uh, what's his, what's Chris Sims like number three or number four receiver in the draft?
1: Yeah. So he's probably the most excited I am for a one or $2 pick on my roster. You have a lot of one dollar picks, so let me. I'm interested to see who you like on your roster.
0: Okay, so yeah, so the only guy that uh, so basically there's a certain point where I stopped drafting and just queued a bunch of the rookies that I wanted and hoped to get them. And um, so Dwayne Eskridge is the only guy that I, besides Travis, at the end that I drafted, drafted that I'm excited about, just because the Seahawks seem to be pretty good at evaluating wide receiver talent, and they invested a high run pick in him, even though he's a smaller guy and. Um, not like a traditional X receiver or anything like that, but guys that I queued that I'm excited that ended up on my team. Uh, so Anthony Schwartz, uh, I think has a huge future on the Browns. He's like a, he's like a track star. He's like kind of what they tried to get out of Antonio Callaway a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that name out of the past guy who had a lot of trouble off the field. And even you know, despite a short connection with Baker Mayfield, just kind of, I don't know where he is. I think he might even be on Kansas City's roster right now, somewhere like that. But yeah, Anthony Schwartz invested a third-round pick on him. Um, So I'm excited to see where that ends up in a few years once OBJ is off the roster and Jarvis Landry is also getting up there. So there's a lot of snaps to take in future years. Uh, Jalen Darden, another small, fast guy that ended up in Tampa Bay. Not super excited about him because – just because of the – like, I feel he'll take a few years to pan out. And who knows what the quarterback situation there is going to be in a few years. Um, added in free agency today, Josh Palmer, Nico Collins, and Chris Evans. Um, Josh Palmer is the one I'm most excited about there. Amazing traits, big body, X receiver, was very limited by uh, route tree and quarterback play at Tennessee, but has all the traits you would want from an X receiver. So if they can develop receivers and they've got a good room to do it, I'm excited there. But the guy that I am most excited for today is Cornell Powell all so oh, right, Powell,
1: that's a fair take. Yeah, some people four, are proud them. Yeah,
0: well, he he's on the Chiefs, uh, and we know that like we've got a ten-year horizon with Patrick Mahomes, right? Allegedly, so Cornell Powell, this guy, like, eventually they're going to need to replace um Travis Kelsey as the big body X-type receiver, or even bring in an X receiver that they don't really have a traditional X receiver on their roster right now. Cornel Powell is is six feet tall. He's two hundred four pounds. He has very long arms, just a prototypical X receiver build, was top 50 coming out of high school. Uh, He's been on a loaded receiving unit in Clemson, couldn't really break out, not super explosive or anything like that, but he's a competitive route runner and he's got contested catchability, got seven touchdowns last year, 900 yards. Uh, You know, something of like a Alshon comp. Um, I'm just kind of excited to see you know if he could come something for the Chiefs in like three years, if I can manage to hang on to him for that long.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a very high upside guy. Being on the Kansas City Chiefs in general is just like high upside for anyone, really. So, yeah, I like that pick for a dollar. Take your yeah. shot.
0: I didn't have anyone else on the Chiefs, and so I had to add someone. Um, <laughs> anyone on your roster, this isn't uh, one of my questions, but that you're just kind of like questionable. Like my guy would be Debo Samuel, for example, because I, I invested uh, like $16 into him, and he might really just not be worth that. Um, Like, you know, if I had saved a little bit more money, I could have spent $22 and gotten like a Devontae Smith or Keenan Allen or something like that. Debo's just like, he's amazing. He gets the rushing yards and all that stuff. Uh, He moves all over the formation, but he is very injury prone. And so I'm a little worried about that. Uh, Anyone like that for you? Um,
1: Kind of. It's probably Robbie Anderson for me just because – I think I'll have a good year this year, and I don't really know how to forecast the Carolina offense like deep into the future at all. I I don't know. Like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson will be the wide receivers one and two on that team, but Sam Darnold is the, a new quarterback there. I, I, it's hard to like project him. I'm fine starting him this year, and for that reason, I drafted him. But I just can't say that I feel great about it. And also Kenyon Drake I drafted, so, you know, he's oh, 28 yeah. years old, I think. Yeah, like, I just wanted some depth for the next year, like, uh, at running back, because that always messes me up in the league. Like, I always end up at the end of the season with uh, waiver wire fodder running backs who barely get 10 touches a game, if that. So, I was fine taking him, because they spent a lot of money in Las Vegas on him, and he'll at least get some work and passing passing down work, so...
0: The fall of Kenyon Drake is is crazy. I mean, like from a mid-second to even a first-round pick last year to just like no one would this guy at all this year. It's kind of funny because if there's a Josh Jacobs injury, like, you know, he's going to skyrocket and he should have a role, like you said, even without Josh Jacobs. But yeah, no, just a lot of bad blood with uh, Kenyon Drake. And then, yeah, Robbie Anderson. It's kind of funny that everyone's talking about like the Sam Darnold connection, like they were some dynamic duo. when they they were in New York. (laughs) Uh, Like they built all this amazing chemistry and just rocked the world. But uh, yeah, so uh, I I would agree that there's some questions there. Although, you know, at at this point, you're rounding out your roster. Not not that much you can do with the the lower uh, value guys. All right. Yeah, I will
1: add add for a tidbit Um, of the Robbie Anderson conversation. Like uh, I do think he'll get more targets than DJ Moore this year. So I don't, dislike him i just don't know that he'll have a solidified future in an offense you know question marks is my point there but uh go ahead with the segue there
0: uh yeah i know you interrupted my beautiful segue to where i was going to ask do you have any closing thoughts any personal life updates you'd like to share it's raining it's pouring here i don't know what the weather's like (laughs) down there pretty dreary today uh
1: no crazy life events. Uh, we did go to the beach last weekend. That was pretty fun. Got it's to enjoy beach. the weather. The fully vaccinated life is pretty cool. I don't have to wear a mask at work anymore. And that's really what I get used to. I'm in a new department since COVID happened. So like, nobody has seen my face. In it. <laughs> and I haven't seen I haven't seen their faces. So I feel like my brain is doing weird things where I'm like, that is not how I thought your face looked. So I just like end up just staring too long, you know?
0: Yeah. It's almost like like, a, go ahead.
1: Yeah. It's like a, it's like a weird human instinct thing where like, I, I feel like unsettled almost. Like I don't know the people that are around me right now.
0: Yeah. Well, the mask is almost like a crutch now. Like, oh, I can go out and I can just like communicate through my eyes with people. And and instead Mm -hmm. of like having to be a, a, a full human and now everyone's like, remembering how to be a natural person again um (laughs) all right you want to let the people know what our social media channels are and what they can do on them
1: you can find us at fantasy bible pod on facebook instagram and twitter you can leave us comments questions we will read your questions on a podcast if you ask them please follow us like us share us uh yeah if your question is good enough maybe we'll even want you as a guest like we have room for guests on the show we love having guests on the show if you're interested in fantasy and have stuff to say we'd love to talk to you
0: seriously like you know we'll, we'll talk to anyone we love talking to people so just uh come on board let's talk some fantasy and you know have, have a great weekend have a great weekend guys stay safe